Bibles, lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, you guys sound great this morning. Well, we are in week two of the series that I'm calling Living Free. And as I told you last week, for months now, I've been praying and seeking God about direction for our church and many of the challenges that so many of us face. And it is absolutely true, and I just want to dispel any myths right now that tell you just because you're saved, you're not going to have challenges in life. That is not true. Just because you are saved, you can be a saved, born-again Christian and still be in bondage in your life. You can be a born-again Christian and still have bondage in your life. You can still have chains in your life. And Jesus came to break those chains off of you. He really did. But the devil's doing everything he can to keep you bound up. He may not be able to get you, keep you from being saved, but he can really work hard to keep you in bondage. And so this series, and I'm not just saying this because I've never said it before, this series, in my opinion, is the most important series that I've taught in five years. It's that important. And I want you to take time. If you you missed last week or you need a refresher, you can go on our website. I guess, Billy, what, the last three years' worth of sermons are on there. You can listen. You can download them. You can get notes. There's different things that you can do to refresh yourself in this because this is going to be one of those things that you're going to need to remind yourself of over and over. give you a little recap on what we've been talking about. Ephesians 6, verse 12 says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There is a war that's going on all around us. It's unseen, but we do see the effects of it. Broken hearts and broken lives, broken people. And it's this battle that's raging between good and evil. Now, I want to give you the good news here. This is not a tug-of-war between God and Satan. The enemy is already defeated But he's not been cast out yet. And so as Christians, we live in a world that's fallen until Jesus comes back and restores it. But there is good news. There's hope and we have overcome. But because you can be in bondage out of ignorance so many times, the Bible tells us that people go into bondage for lack of understanding. And so today, this message in particular, I believe, is going to open your eyes to what's going on around you and the decisions that you get to make to help you be truly free. Does that sound good? Both of you thought that was good. That's awesome. Let me try that again. Does that sound good? Amen. Thank you. That is much better. Okay. I was a little nervous there for a minute. All right, now listen, um, God has a plan. He has had a plan from the very beginning. If you look back in Genesis 1, God begins to lay out the plan for our lives and what his plan has been. And this, again, is a recap, so I'll quickly go through this. Look at your notes. God's plan. His first plan was for us to have family. God's plan has always been from the very beginning to have family. We are God's family when we are born again. We are adopted into the kingdom of God. And God's plan has been family, was and is. Not just a family of God, a physical family, but also a spiritual family. This church is a spiritual family of God's kingdom. 
okay? So that's God's plan. The second thing in God's plan is fellowship. God created us to have fellowship with him. That's a pretty amazing thing when you think about it because God wants to know you. He wants to have relationship with you. He also created us for fellowship with each other, which is part of family. God created us to have fellowship with each other. The third part of God's plan is blessing. God created you to bless you. That sounds really good, doesn't it? God created you to bless you. But it's not just so that you could be blessed. It's also so that you could be a blessing. God's plan from the beginning has been to bless the entire earth through his family, through his church. God's first command to mankind was this, be fruitful and multiply. God's plan is multiplication. God's plan, and you go, well, I only have two kids. I'm not very fruitful. No, that's not what I'm talking about. God's plan is that you be so blessed in your life that other people be blessed through the blessings you have. In other words, the overflow of your life. God enjoys blessing us. How many of you like giving kids, your kids good things? Feels good, doesn't it? When your kids do great things and you want to bless them, you know, they, it's like, wow, they're, they're, they're so good. I just want to, I want to show them how much I love them, and so I want to bless them. And as good parents, we do that. But God even more so loves to bless us, his kids, so that when we are walking in his will and his way of doing things, he wants to bless our lives. I talked about a cycle that kind of goes on. And if you look at it from the history of the Old Testament, and it's even true up until now, there's a, deci- there's a disciple. There's a, a plan, a, a defeat cycle that people go through in their lives. So we understand, and Becky's got it up on the screen here, God's plan for us has always been to bless us up at the top. God loves you. He wants to bless you. The problem with blessings because we are in the flesh, is after we get blessed for a while, we kind of rebel. Anybody ever done that? You go through a hard time in your life, and then you get your life right with God, and he begins to just pour out blessings in your life because that's what he does. But what can happen over time is that it can be, I am so good. All these blessings are on me because I am wonderful. Have you ever done that? You didn't maybe say it like that. But, but you, you know, God begins to bless you, and what happens is you kind of begin to rebel. You start doing things your way. You kind of start walking down this path going, well, God's good and everything, but you know what? I got this. You know, God, I'm going to do a couple things my way. It'll be all right. I know it's a little gray, but it's okay. It'll be okay. And what happens is you walk into rebellion. The problem with rebellion is you get taken into captivity. When you rebel, you now put yourself into the camp of the enemy, and the enemy will take you captive. Captivity is not fun. Captivity is not the place that you want to be. Sin leads you to captivity. Yokes, chains, all the things that Jesus talked about, the Bible talks about, that's what sin does. It captures you. So what happens is you go into captivity. Then what happens is after a while when you're in captivity, you go, I don't like this. Captivity is not fun. I don't want to be in this place anymore. You know what? I'm going to repent. I'm going to cry out to God, ask God for forgiveness, and repent. And when you do that, guess what? He takes you back. Immediately, God takes you back. He's paid this price, so he takes you back. And that's the other part of the plan, which is redemption. He redeems you. He buys you back to himself because of what Jesus has done for you. And then, when you're back in that place of redemption, he begins to bless you again. 
The problem is, in many people's lives, and it was absolutely true in the Old Testament, if you study the Old Testament, you will see this constant cycle. God blesses them, they rebel, they go into captivity, they cry out to God, he redeems them, they get blessed. They rebel, I and mean, it's just over and over. And you look at these people and go, how dumb are they? But I would say, how dumb are we? Because we tend to do the exact same things that they did. But God had a plan from the very beginning to break this defeat cycle. And God's plan was Jesus. Listen to this, uh, excuse me, Luke 4, 18 through 19, actually that it comes out of Isaiah. Jesus goes back to his home church, this is at the start of his ministry. They hand him the scrolls, which are the scrolls of Isaiah, and he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then Jesus says, today in your presence is this scripture fulfilled. God sent Jesus to break the defeat cycle. That's why he came. And there are five basic ministries that Jesus has. And again, I covered these last week. I'm just going to go over them and then get into today's message. The five basic ministries are, number one, salvation. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, which is us. He comes for salvation. The second thing he does in his ministry is healing. He still heals people today. He is still, how many of you have ever been healed or know somebody that God's healed? It's pretty awesome. He is still in that business of healing people. The third thing he came to do was inner healing. Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted. Okay, that's not a physical heal. Uh, healing that's a spiritual and emotional healing and he came to do that too he can heal your broken heart and your broken mind the fourth thing that he came to do was deliver us from the enemy the devil still wants to keep you in chains and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about in this series he came to deliver us from captivity to break those chains the fifth thing he came to do was baptize us in the holy spirit jesus said when he left it's good that i go away because i'm going to send another a comforter and he's going to be in you, and he's going to speak to you, and he's going to teach you all these things. And he, the power and the presence of God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit can live in your life. The very same spirit that lived in Jesus can live in us. Amen? So those are the things that Jesus came to do. So we're going to talk today. That kind of sets everything up. If you weren't here last week, now you're up to speed. We're going to talk about something really fun today, blessings and curses. Everybody say blessings, blessings. and curses. They just don't even sound alike, do they? How many of you want to be blessed? Let me tell you what a blessing is. This is what a blessing is. Something that helps you or brings you happiness. Something that helps you or brings you happiness. If you've got your notes, you're gonna, they're not in there because Deuteronomy 28 is too big. I'm going to read some of the blessings that when we begin to follow God, these are the blessings that God wants to put on our life. Now, I want you to understand something today. This is the Old Testament. This is Moses standing in front of the children of Israel. And he says, look, you've got two options. God's given you two options, death and life. Choose life. Choose life. Choose blessing or choose cursing. But God wants you to choose life. And these are the blessings that will come on you. If you follow God's way of doing things, if you stay in God's presence, he's going to bless you. And this is what those blessings look like. Verse 1, 
chapter 28 in Deuteronomy. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of the ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. You're going to see them defeated. They will come at you one way, and they'll run away from you seven. I like that. Like a cartoon. You know, I mean, that's kind of cool. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he shall bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself just as he has sworn to if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you because they're going to see God's power in your life. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of the... Uh, which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open up to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Let me sum up what Moses is saying, what God's giving him to say to these people. Here's here's what he's saying. He said, if you will follow God's command, if you will live by the way God's commanded you to live, he's going to bless your life. Everything you set your hand to will be blessed. Your kids will be blessed. Your work will be blessed. Your school will be blessed. Anything you do is going to be blessed in your life because God loves you so much. He's going to pour out blessing more than you can contain. When you need rain on your crops, he's going to rain on your crops. When you need this, this is a recession-proof promise. If you will walk in God's ways of doing things, he's going to bless you no matter what. Does that sound good to anybody? That sounds like a pretty good deal. And let me explain one of these words to you. If you look, I think it's in verse 2 or 3. It says, these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Did you notice that word? Overtake you. Let me give you the biblical definition, the Hebrew definition of the word overtake. Overtake in this definition means to tackle you, to chase you, and grasp you so that you fall. So when it says these blessings are going to come upon you and overtake you, I want you to imagine in your mind's eye there's all these blessings out there, all these awesome blessings. And the Bible says that if you will obey the command of God, these blessings are going to hunt you down and they're going to tackle you. Imagine you're out mowing your yard, all of a sudden, bam, you get tackled by blessings of God. I mean, just out of nowhere, the blessings overtake you. That sounds really awesome. But I also love where it says they will hunt you down. No matter where you are, if you're following God's commandments in your life, these blessings are on the lookout for you. They're going to hunt you down like a bloodhound, and they're going to jump on you. I like that. 
That's really cool. I understand that because I'm a hunter. I like to hunt. I can imagine the blessings are out there. Where's he at? We're going to find him. Where's he at? We're going to just jump on him and bless his heart. You know, I mean, I don't think they talk like that, but you know what I'm talking about. These blessings are looking to overtake you. You know, I love to go down to the coast. I love to go down to Port Aransas and different places down in Texas. And I like to, I don't know, I'm weird. I like to get out in the water about waist deep where the waves are coming in. And I like standing there and letting those huge waves overtake me. Anybody ever done that? It's just awesome. They'll roll me up, wad me up in a ball. And, you know, luckily I'd never lost my shorts because that wouldn't be a blessing. But, I mean, you know, they just roll you up in that water and, and it's just awesome. That's overtaking you. So much that you can't even stand the blessings, the goodness of God that just covers you up. That's how God wants to do with your life. That's what it says. That's awesome. I really, really like that. So you get that. But what about the curses? What about the curses? I mean, we've talked about blessings. So, so basically, Pastor, what you're telling me is if I get my life right, if I follow God, doesn't mean you're not going to fail, but if you consistently follow God and repent and stay in his presence, these blessings are going to come upon me and overtake me. Yes, that's absolutely true. But what about the curses? We don't want to talk about the curses, do we? Well, I'm going to do it anyway. So let's talk about what happens if you don't obey God. Now, I want you to understand something. There are 68 verses in Deuteronomy chapter 28. 14 of them cover the blessings. The rest of them talk about the curses. Okay? And I'm not going to read all of them. I'm just going to read some of them because I want you to get the idea. Okay? But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments and his statutes, which I command to you today, that all these Curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Let me ask you a question. You can be one of two places at any time. Where is that? The city or the country. Right? So that means wherever you are, okay? Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed will you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke, and all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doing in which you have forsaken me. And it goes on. You get the idea. It's the opposite of God's blessing coming up on your life. And just like blessings overtake you, so do curses. I want to ask you a question today, and you already know the answer to it because I gave it to you earlier. How many of you would say that as a Christian, and I've heard people say this, people will say, I can't be in bondage, I can't be under a curse because I'm a believer. You ever heard anybody say that? That's not true. You can have curses in your life, a bunch, and a bunch of people fall underneath that category. Okay, it can be there. If you disobey God in your life, these things are going to come upon you. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever planted anything, put seed in the ground and planted something? Let me ask you this question. If you were to plant watermelon seeds, would you be upset if an apple tree came up? Or surprise, maybe that's a better way to put it. No, I mean, if you plant watermelons, what do you want? 
If you plant apples, what do you want? Right, if you plant money in the ground, what do you want? Oh, come on now, money tree. I heard that. Y'all gone off the reservation now, I tell you. Woo. All right, so, so here's the deal. Let me, let me, I'm just breaking this down for you. Many times in our life, the Bible talks about seed time and harvest. You reap what you sow. And so many of us plant watermelon seeds, and then we're shocked when peach tree comes up. We, we look at our lives and go, well, I'm planting bad seed here. I'm gossiping. I'm lying. I'm stealing whatever it is you're doing, and, and that's the seed that you're planting in your life. And then you get this harvest of those things that you don't want, and then you go, I can't believe this. I can't believe that's happening. I'm disobeying God, and he's not blessing me. What is wrong with him? And people do it all the time. And, and so we, we in our lives go, and we plant bad seed, and then we get a bad harvest, and then we wonder what's wrong with God. And God's going, that's you. I've given you a choice. Matter of fact, I told you I wanted you to choose life, but you've got to obey my commandments. And we choose not to do it, and then these bad things come on us, and we're mad at God. That's crazy. Because, see, God's plan is he loves you, and he wants to bless you, but he can't bless disobedience. Some of you are going to get an understanding today that you've never had before, and you're going to get it right now. Okay? How many of y'all have kids, grandkids, nephews, or you've babysat somebody? That should be basically everybody in this room. Let me ask you a question. If you're out in the front yard and there's a road that's a busy road out in front of the house and a little kid, little Johnny's two years old, and little Johnny wants to go run in traffic, what do you do with little Johnny? You tan his hide, don't you? <laughs> If little Johnny wants to go play in traffic, you discipline little Johnny. Now, little Johnny's only two years old. He doesn't understand that a car moving 65 miles an hour weighs more than him. And he doesn't recognize that if he runs out in that road, that car is going to run over him. But the parent, the carekeeper does. And so we discipline that child, not because we're mad at them, but because we love them. And so we discipline that child so that it protects them. And that's all that this is about. God loves you, and you need to understand this. God wants to bless you, but he cannot bless disobedience. That would be no different than you saying, you know what, little Johnny, you want to go run in that traffic? Just go on. They will lock you up and put you in jail. Right? You, you can't do that. And God is a good father, and so he wants to reward us when we do the right things, but he disciplines us when we do the wrong things, and that's what the curses are there for. Look at your notes. The point is this. The point of curses, which are consequences to disobedience, by the way, the point of the curses are turn us back to God. They turn us back to God. When you're going through your life and you realize that you're disobeying God and bad things start happening to you, that is God going, hey, come back over here. I don't want you to be destroyed. I don't want you to hurt. I don't want you to go through a hard time. But if you disobey my commands, I can't bless you because all that's going to do is just perpetuate what you're doing. So these things are in place to discipline you, to get you to turn back. And here's my advice to you, and I wrote it in your notes. 
When these things begin to go on in your life, turn back to God quickly. Turn back to God quickly. You know, when you're going through life where there's sin and there's challenges and you know it, and you realize that you've been disobeying God, and that's why things aren't working out, listen to me, guys. Stop it. Just stop it. Just go, God, I've messed up. I don't want to be here anymore. The Bible calls it repenting, which means to turn away from. And it's not talking about being sorry that you got caught. It's talking about, I don't want to be this way anymore. So, God, I repent, and I'm going to turn back to you. And here's what happens. As soon as you do that, God restores you back to himself right then. You are now back into blessing phase. So when you look at that circular thing and you realize what's going on, what needs to happen is that needs to be a really short wheel. You're in God's blessing. You sin. Punishment comes. Then you go, you know what? I don't like this. I'm going back. The problem is many of us decide we're going to camp out there and live with our frogs. And we talked about that last week. That's on you. You get to decide how long you're going to stay in that spot. You get to decide. And I want to tell you, there's some things I've done in my life that were stupid. I planted some bad seed. But I want you to know, when you repent, when you honestly get to before God and say, Lord, I am sorry. I don't want to be this way. And you move, he'll cause a crop failure a lot of times. He won't give you what you deserve. He'll get you what he wants you to have. And that's good news. Jesus came to give us good news. And that's part of the good news. So the curses are there for discipline, to get us to turn back to him. It's not because God doesn't want you to have fun. It's because he wants you to live and be fruitful and multiply. He wants to bless you, but he can't bless you if you're in disobedience. Do you understand that? It's not that he's mad at you or he doesn't want you to have any fun. It's like that kid just always wants you to remember that child running out in the street. God doesn't want you to get run over. So he disciplines you because he loves you. Just like a good parent does to a child. Amen? Let me ask you a question today. Have you ever heard the term iniquity? Iniquity? Yeah, iniquity. A lot of times in the Bible, you'll, you'll see something that talks about iniquity. And, and iniquity, I'm going to give you a definition here, and then I'm going to read some scriptures. Iniquity is an inward bent. It's an inclination. I'm inclined to do something. So iniquity is an inclination to do something. Let me read you a scripture real quick, and I'm going to explain this some more. Numbers 14, verse 18, out of the New King James. The Lord is long-suffering. He's abundant in mercy. He forgives iniquity and transgression. Transgression is sin. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Nehemiah 9 verse 2 says this, Then those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all the foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. I'm going to stop right there and explain something to you. Iniquity is an inward bent. Sin is the expression of iniquity. Let me give you another definition. Adultery is sin. Right? Adultery is sin. Lust is the iniquity that leads to adultery. Okay? So lust, uh, iniquity is not necessarily an action. It's an inward inclination. Okay? But adultery is the fruit of that. It's the sin. So when you look through here and you read all these scriptures, they're talking about the Lord is long-suffering. He clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to the third and fourth generation. 
Have you ever heard somebody that says, I have a temper because I'm Irish? You ever heard anybody say that? Or have you ever heard somebody said, you know, there's a lot of people in my family that were alcoholics, and, and my family is inclined toward alcoholism or abuse or fill in the blank. This is what this is talking about. That the iniquity of our forefathers, the people have gone before us, that iniquity, that iniquity can come down onto us. Listen to me. Why would God, this is the question, why would God want us to confess? Because he tells them to confess the iniquity of their forefathers. Repent of their sins, but confess the iniquity of the forefathers. Why would God want us to confess the iniquity of our forefathers if their iniquity cannot affect us? And the answer is, he would not do that because it can. It can. And some of you right now may be getting a revelation that some of the issues in your life, if you look back in your family heritage, you realize some of those things were passed down. Those inclinations were passed down. And you're probably, some of you are going, wow, I understand now maybe why some of those things happen. I've given you a list of scriptures, and you can go through those, and there's tons of them in the Old Testament where it talks about confess the iniquity of your forefathers, repent of your sin. This is usually the part in the sermon when you go, I wish I'd have stayed home today. <laughs> God's people go into bondage for lack of understanding. Ignorance gets us in a lot of trouble. And I want you to understand something today. The devil is working overtime to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. So listen to this. Here's the good news. This is Everybody take a deep breath. <gasps> Let it out. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Galatians 3, 13 through 14. This is quickly becoming one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Christ, Jesus, has redeemed us, purchased us, bought us back from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Some of you, I want you to understand this. He who has ears, let him hear. The Bible tells us that now you understand there's blessings and there's curses. And there's all these curses when we disobey God. And yet right here in the scripture, we realize that Jesus came and took all those curses upon himself. Wow. That's awesome. It says that. And then it goes on to say... That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. That's us. So what that's saying is all those blessings, Jesus takes all the curses. When you receive Jesus, when he hung on that cross, he took your sin and he took all of those curses upon himself. All of that. That's amazing. That's good news. That is good news. So he took the beating for us. He took the stripes for us. He took the abandonment and the turning away for us. He took 
all of that upon himself. God took all of that upon himself. Why? So that you wouldn't have to. That's amazing to me. All that sin, all that weight, all those things that we do, Jesus, by taking all that upon himself, on that cross, he took all of that. All of it. So what's the answer? What's the answer? Here's the answer. Repent, turn away, and come to Jesus. Confess our sins, what we've done, and the iniquity of our fathers. And then receive his forgiveness and restoration. That's really what he calls us to do. In a few minutes, we're going to close the service today by taking communion. And I thought it was very befitting that we would take communion today and realize in recognition of what Jesus has done for us. That he took all that on himself so that we wouldn't have to. God loves you. God wants to bless you. He does. But there's a certain way that you have to do things. I'm going to skip that. Becky and go to Galatians 5.1. Galatians 5.1 in the New International Version says this. Listen to me. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul says, Jesus died so that you could be free. You do not allow yourself to go underneath that burden again because Jesus has paid the price for you. You get to choose. You get to choose. And so many of us have wandered around in the darkness and we disobeyed God and we've not understood it. Guys, I'm the king jelly bean of this. I'm not up here preaching something to y'all that I don't know. Because I've done the same thing and sometimes still do. But what I want you to know is there's a way out. This is such an amazing price that's been paid for us. That it cost God, his only son, to die so that we could be free. And that he would take that curse upon himself, the one who never sinned, the perfect sacrifice because God loves you so much. And he wants to bless you so much. And he wants you to be a part of his family so much. And he wants to heal you so much. And mend your broken heart. And set you free. And fill you with this spirit. And bless you so that all the world can be blessed through you. That's why Christianity is different from any other thing. It's not about a self-help. You do these five things and everything will be better. You can't be good enough. You just have to allow him to work in your life and receive this freedom. Amen? I'd like the deacons and the trustees and whoever they pick to come forward. And we're going to take communion today. And as we do this, I want you to examine your heart. I want you to look at your life. Some of you may be in a situation right now, and there is no condemnation in this place. It's the last thing I want you to feel today. But if you know there's some areas in your life that you've been rebelling against God and you don't have God's blessing on your life, today's the day for you to get it right in your seat, right where you are. 
This is an opportunity for you to examine your heart. If you stay in this, ooh, this is hard. If you stay in the situation that you're in, guys, it's because you've chosen, chosen. I'm from Texas. We make up words. Y'all know that, right? It's, it's the part of my strategery. <laughs> if you leave this place the same and there's, there's areas of challenge in your life, that's because you're choosing to not receive what God's done for you. Jesus said, do this, take communion in remembrance of me, of what I have done for you. So what we're doing today is for you to remind yourself of what he has done for you. And you need to just receive that. So here's what I want you to do. As you get these elements today, I want you to examine your heart. See if there's any way in you. Lord, is there something in my life that's keeping me from you? Is there rebellion in my heart? Have I walked away? Lord, am I, am I doing, living in some kind of sin? Am I doing whatever? You know. And this is not about condemnation. This is about freedom. And understand, God is not mad at you. He loves you. But it's time to get it right. It's time to get on the blessing side. It's time to walk in the freedom that he's called you to walk in. And only you can do that. So the word has been delivered to you today. The truth. What are you going to do with it? Think about that. set the captive free. You're the king who came to serve and you're the God who washed our feet. You're the one who took our burdens and you bled upon the cross. In your kindness and your mercy you became the way for us. 
forgetting all our sins. You remembered all your promises. You are amazing. You're more than On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples in the upper room. And as they were sitting there, he took the bread, the symbolic bread, he took it and he broke it. And this is what he said to them. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. What we're talking about. He said, this is broken for you. So go ahead and take that bread. Bible tells us that after dinner he took the cup and he said this is the cup and he said something very interesting he said this is the cup and it represents the new covenant the new covenant in my blood one sacrifice one time for all of us amen that's what that represents so take that cup So Jesus, when he did this, he was showing those guys, he said, this is what I'm doing for you. I'm taking that. Everything's changing right now. Now it's coming on me.
And then he went to the cross. Before he went to the cross, he was beaten. And the crown of thorns put on his head. Guys, you understand this curse that was in there. God knew exactly what he was doing. From the time that we fell in the garden, he had a plan. And he took that, and he took, and he put all that on Jesus. Jesus willingly went to the cross, hung on that cross, and took all this for us so that we don't have to be cursed. Do you see it? So that's why this is not a religious function. Jesus said, do this and remember me. Remember what I've done for you. So some of you are here today, and you're like, all right, I understand. I understand what's going on. I, I look at the iniquities of my forefather, this bent that was there. And then I look at the sin in my own life and I realize I don't want to be this way anymore. I want to change. Well, Jesus has paid that price. He's the answer to that. So here's what we're going to do, all of us together. Okay? We're going to pray this all together. And some of you, from your heart, get this right. Because this is your chance. You understand. Today's your day of freedom. Freedom. It's for freedom that Jesus set you free. Amen? So let's all repeat this together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for taking the curse, for taking my punishment. I deserved it, but you took it. Today, I ask you, forgive me. Forgive the iniquity of my forefathers. I repent of my sin today. Lord, I ask you, make me free. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the deal. If you meant that, you're free. That's his promise. You're free. It's not your burden anymore. And now I would encourage you in what Paul said there in Galatians, walk in that freedom. And the way you're going to walk in that freedom is by not going back, not, not change. That doesn't mean you're going to stumble and fall. Amen. We have grace when we stumble and fall. But here's the good news. When you fall down, you get back up and you don't lay in the pig pen. Amen. We get up because of the price he's paid. Say, God, I messed up, but I repent and I'm back. And that blessing will begin to flow in your life again. It's an amazing deal, guys. It's an amazing deal. Walk in that freedom. Amen. Let's all stand. Grab your neighbor's hand. If you don't like them, we've got Germex in the lobby. It's all good. Amen. This is good news, guys. This is good news. Father, I just speak a blessing today, your blessing over everybody here. Father, I pray that as we walk in faithfulness to you, Lord, we know we're not going to be perfect. But, Lord, as we walk holy towards you, Father, as we repent, as we step back in your grace and your mercy, Lord, I pray you would do what you said in your word, that you would bless us. And, Father, I pray that you would bind the enemy from our lives, Lord, that you would give us peace that we would walk in strength and fullness, that, Lord, all those Abrahamic commands that you gave, those blessings, would come upon us and overtake us and tackle us. 
And Father, we, as we receive those, let us bless the world like you told us to. Father, let us bless all those around us and point them to you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. All right, well, here's what you're going to do. As you leave, I want you to high-five three people and say, you're free, stay free. Amen? Free, man. Stay free. You're free, man. You're free.